I've got something for you. And what is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Roto Slappers Fantasy Baseball Podcast right here on the Bloodline Entertainment Network. We are here. We are now in week three. Week two is in the books. We have a lot more to talk about. And I'm going to do my best to do that by myself today. Um, Blake is out sick. So... I got this show solo, or I'm going to try to do this solo for you. Uh, just let me know if I'm blabbering about stuff too much here, and tell me to move on, since I don't have anyone else to do that this time. Uh, how's it going, Tim? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I I honestly could just, instead of doing the show that I wrote, which is going to be tricky on my own, but I'll figure out a way. Instead of doing it, I could almost sit here right now and do a CM Punk style pipe bomb on the state of fantasy baseball because maybe I'm just agitated. Maybe I'm annoyed is a good way to put it, but it is not a it's it's been a rocky start so far this year uh league wide right now. Now God bless if your team is healthy to this point and playing well that's 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 fantastic, to be honest with you. But that's not the case league-wide at all. So, speaking of that, as in the sad part is I'm doing the show prep on this one. And I'm sitting here watching baseball. And, of course, I'm going to lead off with the injury updates. And the first one that I'm talking about right now is J- Jacob deGrom. Oh, boy. He left Monday. He left tonight's start with sh- uh, soreness after four Hitless innings. I we've seen this before. It is not our first rodeo. It's almost like Groundhog Day all over again with this one. That is not good. That just pisses me off, and not not what we want to start Monday, right? Yeah, that's not what we want to do. This it just sucks. It just adds piles on to a disastrous start for especially pitching in fantasy baseball for that matter. Also, Hunter Green takes a comebacker from Yandy Diaz. Boom, right at his shin. Luckily, x-rays are negative on that one. Thank God. Not another pitcher we could lose at this point. Um, Spencer Steer also left, who left Sunday's game, I should say, with a knee injury. He underwent an MRI on Monday. That's negative, so that's good for corner infields on there. Uh, Votto returned from his assignment with AAA. He's going to actually rehab in Cincinnati until he's actually ready to be reinstated. Some worse news when we thought it was actually going to be maybe a short 10-day IL stint. Once again, welcome to Groundhog Fricking Day. Giancarlo Stanton is now going on the injured list, and it's going to be longer than the 10-day one. So lovely. So that was fun. Uh, Carlos Rodondo, at least, who had the left forearm strain, he's scheduled to uh, toss two innings on today. He was tossing two innings. I haven't heard anything about it yet, so we'll see how that one goes. So that's that's good news, right? Uh, Will Smith, who has he hasn't played since last week. He has a concussion that's retroactive to last week. So hopefully we know concussions can be bad at times. So we're just going to hope that, uh, yeah, he's back on that one. Yep. 
Uh, Justin, Ver- some good news, I guess we could say at this point, if there is any for pitching. But Justin Verlander expects to return before the end of April. His his little uh, bullpen sessions have been going well. And I think he's going to throw one more side session. Then he's going to face live hitters and then probably ready for game action in a rehab stint. Um, Scherzer also was pushed back. Another thing, lingering back soreness that makes us all worried again, as that's basically the state of how this is all gone at this point. But it looks like MRI was negative. He's scheduled to make his next start in that one. That's good. We lost Jeffrey Springs last week. The, the 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 fantasy the baseball gods period or just seem to be angry at this point so yeah we lost jeffrey springs last week that's going to be multiple months probably that he is on the shelf we're going to talk about his replacement a little bit later on this one um yeah kyle uh chris bubich chris bubich we talked about bubich last week and his his start this past weekend it was cold but it didn't look great. The the velocity was down. Um, and he, of course, we all were like, oh, it's cold. Something that's going to be something like that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, long story short, left flicks are strained, right? Here we go again. Forearm tightness, not good. So Chris Bubich now also a little banged up. One of the ones that depresses me the most. It, it This is just a depressing start to any show at this point. I I agree with you on that. I'm going to try to make it a little bit more happy and try to bring the bright side out of things here uh, a little bit later. But this is just the the doom and gloom of what's been happening so far in fantasy baseball. The big one, too. Brandon Woodruff. Good Lord. We still don't know how long he's going to be sidelined with that shoulder injury. Um, It's a subscapular strain. It's kind of weird. This is probably going to be, I'd probably say, a couple months off at this point. Luckily, surgery is not needed, and that will sum up uh, the big injury news so far. Nick, what's up, buddy? If you did not see the intro to this one, we got a little update. The Roto Slappers uh, logo is updated there on this one, so thank you for that. Good stuff. Eagle Man and everything was updated on this one. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, now we see the sad state of fantasy baseball that we're kind of living in. And Kevin Gossman looked like he kind of got rocked earlier today. Pitching is just... I looked at the ERA earlier so far this season. I think it's like 480 or something close to that. Last year through April, March, it was like 372. So, yeah. We are definitely... Pitching has not been great early on this year. But in typical show fashion, it is Monday. It is time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep, we're still going to do that one. As I say, what's up? Yo, Devin, my zombie dust brother. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that is, that is a, a three, Floyd's, uh, three Floyd's beer is what that is. So, yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the past week. My good, 
which we all could use a little bit of good at this point in our life, a little bit of positive news for that, for that matter. But my goodness, Taj Bradley and Vaughn Grissom, for that matter. I love when the young guys debut. I love when the prospects come up, and I love when they come up, debut, and actually play well. Taj Gibson gets the call last week, makes his major league debut, his first career major league start. He throws 78 pitches in five innings. Only one walk, six strikeouts with a 35 CSW percent. That is a very, very good debut for the young uh, hurler, Taj Bradley, a guy that I like. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in waivers. If you haven't read, oh, speaking of that, if you haven't read the waiver article, why don't you just mosey on over to uh, bloodlinenetwork.com and check out the article. It is there along with updated rankings. and. Uh, two-star pitcher articles, and then every everything out from everything from wrestling to anime. There's a whole lot there, so go look at it. Sorry, I'm reading something right now on my phone. But anyways, yeah, bloodlinenetwork.com. Go check it out. Go check out all the articles that are there. Also, my good that is non-fantasy baseball related are the Arizona Diamondbacks. That is a fun story so far. We talked about this kind of on the on the uh, on the pregame show there around the, the preseason show that I did with Tim. I not I don't think they're ready quite yet, but I do think it's a fun team. It's an improved team. They have a lot coming up too in their pipeline, and it's good to see them come out and play kind of well. They even have a pretty good pitcher who should be getting his call at any time now at this point to take over for a very washed Madison Bumgarner. So, yeah, that would be my other good is the Arizona Diamondbacks. My bad. Uh, they were a rough week, right? I think, Tim, you you herald this as Sandy two starts. It's kind of what we got excited about on Monday when we did this. And you kind of gave it a... you to get. I, I had never seen that nickname until you said it, so I'll give you credit for the nickname for Sandy two starts. Um, but Sandy Alcantara... He does not have a pretty good week at all. He gets literally shelled, shelled by the Philadelphia Phillies, who do seem to own him in a sense. Like his career versus the Philadelphia Phillies does not seem overly good. And then he gets his second start. Doesn't go overly that well either. Um, so total of total for two starts this week. He has 10 innings, 13 earned runs, a minus five points on the week for two start. Sandy on that one minus five. Yeah, that is not good at all. But we're going to talk about him when I get into a little uh, a little game that I'm going to I'll try to play by myself here. Um, Yeah, the other bad. You said it best on this one right here. The White Sox bad, bad, bad. Yeah, they are bad and it's incredibly annoying. Their bullpen is god awful. Uh, you can't walk almost seven batters per nine innings and expect any other statistic is going to play out. Like you could throw all the luck stats out. You want stop walking guys. It's just, it's just as plain and simple as that. They walk everybody. They always guys on base. It is just a disaster out there. That bullpen stinks. It's been frustrating to, to watch as a Sox fan, just an overall bad start to the season for them, but that is a whole other show. And I don't want to dive too much into that one because I'll be here all night and you guys have just, it's, it'll be more like a therapy session for me to vent about that. So we're here for some fantasy football. 
Ugly Sandy, two starts. Lost me my week. Lost by 10, and he had a minus 15. Yeah, like I told you, they get minus five for the, even though he had a decent 10, I think it was 10 points he had yesterday, still minus five on the week. So he he's actually, he did, he is the only one who threw a complete game shutout, I believe, so far. But at the same time, he's kind of been a, what, a net negative overall points wise. So yeah, not a good, not a good start to the season for him, but it's, it's a guy that I'm not too worried about just yet. Uh, my ugly. Yeah, Brandon Woodruff, that's my ugly, right? That's probably the Verlander. We knew the Verlander. Woodruff's probably the earliest pitcher taken to have some sort of issue that's going to cost him likely six weeks, right? That's ugly. That sucks for the landscape of fantasy baseball. It sucks for pitching at this point, which hasn't been overly great league-wide. At the, um, It's just ugly. Nobody wants to see it. Everybody wants their, the studs to stay healthy, so we all have fun doing it. So, yeah, Brandon Woodruff is going to be my ugly. Uh, my real baseball ugly is Javi Baez. What a, he had a bad week. Like we, You could say you had a bad week, but he had a bad, bad, bad week. Like, he get not heads up on the base paths. He gets pulled and then benched, um, got paid all that money. He's sucked basically for Detroit ever since then. And it's just a nice cherry on top of everything at this point. Javi Baez gets caught, busted on Twitter, like in foot fetish pictures. So not a good week to be Javi Baez at this point. He benched, played like shit, and obviously he has a foot fetish. So yeah. So Javi Baez, you are my real life ugly at this point. Sorry, buddy. All right. Now let's get into a little bit of uh, meat and potatoes here for some fantasy football. Let's get into some stats. Let's get into some starts. Let's get into some stuff that everybody wants to do. I'll try to play this game the best that I can by myself, but let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Little buy low, sell high, um, which... We'll just kick it off. It'll just be me anyways, just reading off guys and other other messes. But I'll give you my take on him at this point. We're going to start with the big one. I just talked about him. He was my bad this past week. I'm sure Tim is waiting to hear all about this one. Um, Sandy L. Contra. Yeah. Whew. So what a weird week, right? I, the, let's just throw the Phillies game out. Let's just throw it out. He had the complete game. We'll throw the Phillies game out, and then he enters Arizona or the game against Arizona. He had 16 whiffs in this game. He had a 37 CSW percentage. That's good. Like every, every metric about him, his movement on the pitches to this, to that, and that last start looked amazing. Like there's, I am not worried about him at all. There was two really bad defensive plays in that Arizona game. He made one of them and then couldn't get out of it. What really killed him though was, uh, I don't know who got the hit before Corbin Carroll, but there was somebody who came up first pitch high in the zone. Boom. Base knock. Corbin Carroll came up to the plate. It was a first pitch high. He's, he's going to learn. He's good enough. Like I don't worry about him to the point where I know that he's not going to give you that first pitch up high like that too often. Arizona got, got 
basically a little bit of luck on that in that point. They attacked it. They attacked that first pitch, and it was right there both times. And um, it obviously led to three runs basically between those two hits. So if you take those away, the day itself wasn't too much better. I don't know if you can buy low on him, but I easily would try all over the place. Uh, I, if, if you can even get him for something close to face value, I still feel comfortable doing that. So, yeah, Sandy Alcantara, not worried at all. Next. Ooh. Tim and I know this guy very well. Very, very well. He has a bit of a, uh, he could be a, he could be a little bit of a prick and has a little bit of an attitude problem at times. Chris Sale has had a very odd start so far this season. It had a very ugly start so far this season, I guess you could say. He has a 762 fit. He's walked 10% of the batters he's faced, uh, but he also has 19 strikeouts in 12 innings. Um, yeah. So there's, he's getting hit. He, but at the same time, he has a crazy inflated home run to fly, fly ball rate, forty-one percent like that. There's no way that it just sustains that any for too much longer. Like I don't think he's ever going to be great again. I I do think like Sierra is three ninety, which is actually could be a, a, a Sierra could be actually be a pretty good predictor of what future ERA or can hold if you don't know what uh that is so and that's 391 so, so I, there is days there is better days ahead for chris sale i don't i don't know if he is what he is when he was before but there's a part of me that's like huh i wonder if he's i wonder what i can get him for like he wasn't expensive draft capital wise if he's bumped down a little bit further than there there's like a weird part of me that says maybe give it a shot especially with the weird state that baseball's in right now uh i i don't know i might be more inclined in a roto for all the strikeouts than a points league at this point but but in a weird way i might take the flyer on him in a buy low situation that's just me but yeah so see tim you can calm down there right now because as you see, you have as you have both of them. So give up hope. I just don't think. I mean, you're not getting you're not getting White Sox Chris Sale back. That's not going to happen. But the stuff's the stuff's pretty nasty at times. Still, when you look at it, it's just a little wild. The one guy we talked about, he was on the excuse me, he was on it last week. But I wanted to bring him up again because it wasn't good again. But Alec Manoa. Now don't get now don't worry like don't super panic here, but he had a decent high draft capital and he's just he's been pretty bad and he's walked a lot more guys than he normally has so there's no doubt about that. Uh, he walked five I think in his first start he walked four in his next and he's given up ten or, or so he had two starts this past week and that's what I meant so he walked five in his first start this week four in his next and he gave up ten earn runs in those eight innings. He cannot walk guys like that. It's uncharacteristic for him to walk guys like that. The slider's being hit a little bit. Um, CSW percent is down. It was never great. So there's a chance that he was a little bit over. I know there are some industry people that had him as a bust just because he was a top 100 pick. I still think he's a good pitcher. But if you can get, I actually kind of have him as a sell. I know he hasn't been good, but if you can get, some somewhere in the realm of where you paid for him at this point 
um, I might go ahead and do that. Kind of crazy to say that, but he, I, he's a good pitcher. Maybe more real life in the end than a fantasy type guy, but he was, you took him, you, you'd probably use a top 75 pick on him. And that's, that's a little worrisome to me. So yeah, that's kind of a sell next Joe Ryan. I hate talking about this one because it's a, he's on the Minnesota twins and somehow the Minnesota twins are just fine guys to steamroll me, piss me off, um, ruin my life. I, I don't, I'm not going to say hate live on the air. Hate is a bold word to say. I'm going to say dislike. I'm going to be nice and not piss anyone off, but I don't, I, the team I dislike more than any other franchise in all of sports is the Minnesota twins. Second would be the Cleveland guardians. No two teams piss me off more than those two teams. And it's probably credit to those two teams. It's it's because my team's a mess and those two teams just know how to, from the piranhas on to exploit it. Um, so kudos to you on there, but yeah, there's no more annoying team to me than Minnesota twins. And yeah, Joe Ryan, hell of a start. Tim says it. I'm not going to say, I feel like I'm, I've played the karma card too much here. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down that road, but anyways, Joe Ryan. Yeah. So he's got a 12 K per nine to start right now. Like that's, that's pretty, that's up there. Um, 30% CSW and he has been hit a little hard, but he throws the secondaries a little bit more in a sense of, I have him. Let's see here. He's, he's one I got to go to the ranks for because as I go to them, let's see what we got. Yeah, I have him 42, which is kind of by the, the Reed Dentmers and uh, Kodai Senga. Um, and Jesus Lazardo. So I kind of have him there. So he is a top 45 pitcher for me, close to being a top 40. It's a weird one. This could be a Joe Ryan breakout because he's throwing his secondary pitches as I pull this up here right now. I'll tell you exactly what he's been throwing. And it sucks actually because the Twins are going to have two guys here and it's like back to back. I'm going to have to talk about them. Um, and it kind of pains me and they just locked one of them up for four years. Might I add today too? I don't know if anybody knew that, but yeah, well, you'll know who that is here in a, in a second, but yeah, so he, yeah, he has a, a split finger and a sweeper. The sweeper seems to be the new popular pitch in all major league baseball. And that's, and it's the one that all the cool kids are throwing. And, uh, a lot of them are just getting giant whiff rates on them basically. And he has now has a split finger that a 34.5% whiff rate on the split finger and a 31.3% whiff rate on the sweeper. So yeah, good stuff from Joe Ryan. I don't know. I'd still, I think I'd sell high. Um, at this point, the way pitching has gone to start the season, a lot of the top guys are either hurt or haven't performed. And you see a guy like Joe Ryan, who's on the, on the prefaces of a breakout, possibly. I think I would need to sell high on him. His teammate is the next in line here, and that is Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez also now has adopted the sweeper, and he has a 50% whiff rate on that sleep on that sweeper. 34% whiff rate overall. This could I, I feel comfortable. I almost feel like the Pablo Lopez one is more of a breakout. And 
it's it's a good time to bring up a trade that Tim was in earlier today with to break down the trade. I, I'm not going to say who got who, but I'll just say the trade was basically Matt Chapman and Clay Holmes, I believe, for or no, 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 Matt Chapman and Marcus Stroman for Clay Holmes and Shane Bieber. That's what it was. And it's a good trade for the Chapman side because the Chapman side sees that it was that he's basically has higher value than he did before. There's no he his high value is probably the highest it's been in a couple years at this point, which is which crazy to say because it's way too early. One thing I always try to preach to people is re- do not use recency bias in fantasy baseball in April. Don't you just you should not do that. April stats don't matter for the most part it they just don't it you ask yourself do you believe in the hitter is he good like those are the questions you need to ask you need to throw away everything else don't go trade for the guy who has just been the hottest hitter for the last the first two weeks of the fantasy baseballs don't it's it is a that is a it is a game that takes six months to play and it is not the way to do it however What we do, and it's like what we do on a show here, and this is why we're here weekly, is we try to look at metrics. We try to look at who's a possible breakout. And we've reached a point, though, to where if you are, if you are 100% in your head sure that a guy is going, is he, he is breaking out, like Matt Chapman is with the K rate down, or like Pablo Lopez is, for instance, um, who just got that four year deal, then you go ahead and you pay a little bit extra to make that deal. You don't want to go overboard, you don't want to get crazy. Um, but it's okay to do so then, but it's also okay to sell high in the case like Tim did on this one. So it was solid, but it, it kind of floats into the Pablo Lopez thing. We're like, I'm here to tell you that if you believe Pablo, Lopez, if this is it, I think it's, a, I, I might buy into it at this point too. So I think I'm here to buy it. So go for it. Just uh, don't pay over value for him at this point like don't bonkers like for instance here we'll go to the rankings again the good old rankings always tell best right i have him at 29 right now in my starting pitcher rankings i have him by george kirby and i have him by george kirby and lance lynn so Lance Lynn started slow last year. Also, he had the knee issue. I don't, he could just be starting slow this year. Like, I'm not too worried about him moving forward in the year. But if, uh, but I would, like, if you have Pablo Lopez and you can get back a, to me, even a Joe Musgrove in a trade who's been out hurt at this point, like, if you do a two for two and you can get him, I'd, I would absolutely probably do that, to be honest with you. So that's kind of the sell high that I would take on him. Otherwise, uh, I kind of gave you guys that I see. That's the weird part of fantasy baseball, right? Pablo Lopez has been the Cy Young award winner so far, and I have him ranked next to George Kirby. That's where you can't get two carried away, three starts into April. Because by the end of the year, there's a good chance, I believe, that George Kirby and Pablo Lopez are very similar in production in back-to-back. Next is going to be Jared Kalenic, the once highly touted top prospect, the the guy that still to this day pisses me off the White Sox did not draft. Instead, 
they drafted that slap dick slap hitting fucker Nick Madrigal when they and it was the worst pick in Rick Hahn's history. He made a lot of bad ones, lots and lots of bad picks. He's a bad GM who made a lot of bad picks. But this one really was this one was the this is by far the worst. He should have drafted Jared Kalenic. He should have they should have never drafted Nick Madrigal from day one. I kept saying trade him and. Obviously, they did. The trade didn't work out, but I'm glad that they ended up trading him because we could see where that's all gone right now. But Jared Kalenic should be a White Sox. He should be in their outfield right now, and it, there shouldn't even there should be no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Either way, he had a rough start last year when they called him up. Um, struck out a shit ton. Uh, didn't make a whole lot of contact, but this year seems to have kind of corrected himself, and he has the prospect pedigree to start believing it. And right now, he has a 28% K rate. Average exit velocity is 94.8, so he is hitting the ball hard. The biggest thing for me, too, versus lefties, he has a 389 WRC, uh, weighted runs created plus, only 14% K rate against lefties, too, this year. So that's good. Um, last year, for instance, he had a uh, 27 weighted runs created plus on that one, but a 35% K rate against them, so yeah. And he also just hit a home run against the lefty, so I like that also. These are all things that you want to see when you're trying to price a player, right? Especially a player like Jared Kalenic. How does he do in his platoon splits? Um, so on and so on. Now, the K rate at 28% is perfect. This is where we'd like him to stay. We we kind of need him to – we don't want it to go up a little bit because I'll kind of give you some breakdowns, right? I went back to 2018, and I pulled up K rate. And I'll give you, since 2018, the best guy weighted runs created, basically – in that category. So K rate of 30%, the best weighted runs created uh, since 2018 have been Joey Gallo. Obvious, not going to go off for him now, so we saw how that fizzled out. Tyler o and then uh, Tyler O'Neill actually comes in. At, yeah, so at 30% also. So Joey Gallo and Tyler O'Neill are your 30% threshold guys. So yeah. Now we'll go down to 29%. Can he hover around 29%? Give me the best two hitters and weighted runs created since 2018 at 29% K rate. That's T. Oscar Hernandez and Giancarlo Stanton, right? That's pretty good. So if Jared Kalina can actually hover around 29% K rate, I think it could still be pretty. That's a, that's a decent output for him. Now, what if he gets that down to 27%? 27% K rate since 2018 on average. Where do we stand? That's that's Aaron Judge and Fernando Tatis Jr. at 27% K rates on that one. So you, you see you see how if we keep going down a little bit on that K rate, the players get a little bit better. So the fact that he's at 28% K rate at this one, he's hitting lefties, really, really good signs. I don't know if I'm going to... Here's... If I could now the here we the game part right buy low sell high. If I can get a top one hundred player for him right now or or anything equal in the outfield at that point, I'd definitely sell high. So I have Kalenic right now is my let's see. He's in the ranking somewhere. I just got to pull them up. So bear with me here for two seconds as I do so. And then we'll try to get you going. 
computer's a little slow here. So, yeah, I actually have him at 34 right now after that start. Oh, he plays for the Mariners. Hold on, Tim's asking me a question. I should probably put that. Yeah, Jared Clank plays for the Mariners. He was actually traded there by the Mets. That was the Edwin Diaz trade, just so you know. So I have him ranked as my 34th ranked outfielder at this point. But if you're telling me I could get a like a a Byron Buxton for him in a in a trade trade off at that point, even a Brian Reynolds, something crazy at that point. If I can get in there, yeah, I'm definitely gonna move up. I might even take a like a Corbin Carroll or Starling Marte, although Corbin Carroll has not, he walked finally for the first time tonight. So that's not good when it comes to play discipline at all. But, but yeah, so if, like I said, that might be a good sell high, really good start. It's everything that we want to see out of Jerry clinic. And it definitely could be a breakout. But when you play this game, you take the chance to just sell high. And then Austin Hayes has also had a very big start to this season so far. Uh, hard hit rate is he is barreling everything right now. His hard hit rate is 45%, definitely the highest it's ever been. And the biggest thing for me with Austin Hayes right now is uh, his fly ball percent up to 34%, which is also the highest it's ever been. Um, so this is another one. This is actually, he kind of was picked in like the, the, the late 200s. Um, when you were doing your draft, he was kind of an afterthought. He kind of was just a, a jag, just another guy, right? Just a, a guy that didn't kill your fantasy team, but he could be a fifth outfielder, fill-in bench type guy. And I have him still ranked as the 63rd outfielder right now, but there, I, if I can trade something in similar value from like around a top, like a 70th ranked outfielder or somewhere around there, it's kind of a guy that I take a chance on. If I had a relief pitcher that I wasn't, overly high on but i needed an outfielder i actually think i'd buy austin hayes at this point i got i think the baltimore orioles offense is actually fairly decent and i kind of like what i've seen so far out of austin hayes and i don't like i said last year he wouldn't have killed you so this is the time i think you try to take a, a mid-tier relief pitcher to a team that's kind of in need for pitching or bottom of the barrel starting pitcher and just and offer it to him Send him like an Andrew Chafin or something like that and see what you can do for an Austin Hayes. So that's actually one I kind of like and one I'd actually kind of buy on. So that'll wrap up those guys. Now, before I go, let's do this real quick because obviously I do want to go over some waiver wire picks for you. We did have a lot of call-ups. It was, it's been a wild, wild week. We had five or six prospect call-ups and they are actually going to top my waiver wire. Um, my waiver. You could also go read it at the bloodline network.com, but I'm going to go over it here for you guys over here. Um, but this is for the week of now. Big one is pitching. It's obviously going to be leading the, leading the whole thing for me as Taj Bradley. We talked about him earlier. I told you only five innings, one walk, 78 pitches, 35 CSW percent, eight uh, Ks, right? They sent him back. Now I'll explain this real quick too, to anybody who might not know. So he was sent back down. And usually when you get sent back down, it's a 10 day wait before you can get called back up. But because of the Jeffrey Springs injury, if they put Jeffrey Springs on the IL, they are actually allowed to recall Taj Bradley. 
I tried telling you last when after like Friday when it all went down, don't drop Taj Bradley. Don't do it. He's gonna call back up, and of course he did. He's starting tomorrow for the Rays, so that is a guy I'd like because I think as long as Taj Bradley's out, he's actually going to hang around in that rotation if he pitches well. Which this is a 55 f um, future value prospect on Fangraphs, so he's up there. I think he's the the, the Rays' third best prospect. So, yeah, with Springs out, he should stick around. And there's a good chance that maybe they don't need an opener or some crazy thing like that if he pitches well after Springs comes back. So there's – I know that you have Glass now, Springs, both hurt. Both are going to come back at this point, but I still think he can stick around with those guys. Um, The next guy that I had talked about, uh, Brian Bello, pitched today, Patriot Day for the Boston Red Sox. The results, not – overly great um i mean they look pretty bad right if you were to if you were to just look at a box score and not look at anything else and i'm gonna tell you right now you would say what the gap in that looked awful because yeah he had two two in a two and two third innings like six runs i think he gave up today not good it was rainy it was cold it was his first start of the season after coming back um from injury this year so i'm gonna let him slide now he has a insanely good changeup. It is it is a nasty pitch, his best one. Uh, he only threw that one 14% of the time today. I think it's a much higher career percentage when he got his call blaster to do so. So that's why I said I don't know if he felt it for that matter. And he's a ground ball savant. Typically he was. So induces a lot of ground balls. And even though today did not look like it was that good, um, he still he still had 10 whiffs and a 32 CSW percentage on 78 pitches. That's pretty good. His expected batting average against was 140. So you got to have some patience there with him. He the state of pitching and all the guys that are hurt, these are the type of guys I'd re- I'd like. I mean, I'm gonna take a flyer on these guys over some of the just the the the, the Robitussin boring bleh, guys that kind of that round out like the with all due respect to like the Tyler Anderson types and things like that, right? Okay pitchers, but we kind of know where they're cap ceiling wise, and I don't really want to go there with them. So that's kind of why I take a shot on some of these other guys. So I think Bellow is going to be a decent pitcher pitcher for them. Got some bats that got called up too. It all kicked off last week with uh, Edward Julian. Um, the on-base machine gets called up by the Minnesota Twins. He seems like a guy that's going to be a pain in my ass as a White Sox fan. Rick, just because his plate discipline's too good. So you can't get him out, can't strike him out. He's going to walk, um, and he has some decent raw pop. He had 17 home runs a year ago, but he also had a 441 OBP in the minor leagues. So, yeah, you could just – Tim knows it if you're listening. He knows. That is that is the type of guy, a piranha, who's going to be a thorn in the White Sox ass for probably a long time. So he kicks off the whole week. He gets, he gets called up, and then – we get a, we just get a domino effect after that. Uh, Orlando Arcia gets hurt then, unfortunately. That one sucks. He was actually got the contract extension. He was actually playing very well, but um, that that opens the door for Vaughn Grissom at this point. And Vaughn Grissom was destroying AAA, just destroying AAA to start the season. There was nothing left for him to do offensively down there. It's just a glove that he was basically trying to, to work on. And it's a, he's, like I said in the article, legit bat to ball profile, 
plenty of pop and plenty of speed to complement it. Like 15, 15 type guys. I could see if you, if you give him 120 games this year um, with good batting average, obviously in that lineup, the rest of the stuff's going to come with it. Not a strikeout issue with him at all. It's just a glove. So connect glove stick at shortstop. That's going to be the, that's going to be the kicker. Does it, or does he just not look good out there? Does he have errors? Does he have hard time at shortstop and to the point where if they're contending team, Orlando Arcia comes back and it's like, yeah, I'll see you later, right? Because Arcia could play a utility role pretty well too. Um, and that's what I, in the future, expect him to do. And that's why they gave him the multi-year deal because it is Vaughn Grissom's job at some point to have. So I figured maybe he could stick, but it's going to depend on that glove. And then it just gets more fun. We get, I love it. I love when the young guys keep coming up. And then uh, Zach Nito, or Neto, Zach Neto. I want to say him Nito because I just want to say that's Nito, but it's Zach Neto. Um, this is a guy with only 44 minor league games. He was drafted a year ago. So like I told you in that article, you have to temper your expectations. But shortstop has been banged up. Tim Anderson, Corey Seager, a lot of guys down. Um, we're not playing well. So shortstop went from a deep position to a position of need for many. Zach Neto could be that guy. Definitely great contact hitter, at least. That's that's advanced profile when it came to that. That's what we were told. Obviously, he was a fast mover through the minor league system. Enough pop to hit 20 dongs. But here's my – this is why I say temper expectations. It is because as a Sox fan, I know this all too well. Anyone – that looks remotely good to start their minor league career that the White Sox draft in the first round. Anyone that has an advanced profile when they draft him could be a college hitter, whatever. It's the White Sox are going to rush him to the majors. It is what it is. He's the cheaper option than going to sign someone. They tried to find the lightning in the bottle and get him started quick. They're not a team that'll hold the guy down to try to get the, the extra year of thing. And I know what rushing a guy through the leagues can do. It doesn't always pan out. It does not. So I do temper my expectations here, and I do hold back, and I, I, it's not a guy that I'm going to run out and say it is a must-add. Now, the must-add, though, of all the hitters I just named so far is going to be this guy. Brett Beatty, third base, Mets. Eduardo Escobar has struggled so far this season. Finally, he gets the hook. They bring up Brett Beatty, who has just he was going bananas in Triple uh, A so far this year. He has bananas raw power too. Like there's no doubt about that. Um, he was a guy who always could hit the ball hard, always had a good hit tool, always hit the ball hard, but he just did not hit the ball in the air. He he made a change to this swing apparently, a uh, little tiny tweak, and getting the ball up more in nine games in Triple A. He was slugging 886 with five dongs. Ground ball percentage, always over 50%, was down to 30% early on this year, which, again, super early, nine games, nowhere near enough, which you could tell he's been working on it. Um, and he got the call up, and just given the raw tools and the prospect pedigree, definitely a guy that is, is a must-add for me all over the place. I moved him. He's in my rankings update. If you look at it now, I actually have him at 16. So I have him right behind Yandy Diaz and uh, Ty Fran, Jordan Walker. So I could, he could move up quick. I just want to see what they're, what they plan on doing with him. That worries me a little bit. Like, is it going to be a platoon split with 
uh, Escobar. So he could he can move fast, but I'm going to be a little. Obviously, he's more stone, but I'm going to be just a, a little bit uh, cautionary with him, I guess you could say, and see what it goes. But yeah, 100 has to be owned. Every single league that you're in should not have should be 99% rostered. No, no if fans or butts. So yeah, Brett Beatty. Then closers on my waiver article this week. Try to find a guy. Closers is a weird. It's an awful state to be honest with you. There's like 15 for sure things. Eight, just eight teams using committee, but they're not really using a committee. They're just they have a guy that they use in that, like the White Sox, for instance, right now. Ronaldo Lopez is so uh, their high leverage guy. So a guy that comes in regardless of it's not just the ninth inning that he gets. He gets the highest leverage situation that they're facing. Could be the seventh, could be the eighth. So you got a few teams that are doing that, um, and then a couple teams that just don't have anything at all. So I actually kind of like Andrew Chafin for Arizona, who seems to have locked in that job. Has a 38% strikeout rate. He got to get the walks down a little bit for me. Um, but I think there's a decent closer there. And like I said before, it is a fun team. So, yeah, Andrew Chafin would be my closer focus this week on, on waiver wires. Obviously, it depends on your league and who's available at this point. Like, Johan Duran, to me, is still the guy in Minnesota. Still 50% rostered, I saw in ESPN leagues that was. So, like, he should be well higher than that, I think. He's going to end the season as the guy, even if he's been a little shakier than uh, Lopez has so far in Minnesota. I still think he will be the guy there. So, yeah, that's why I said it's still up to your league. What we talked about, Johan Duran, a week ago. And, yeah, so I did it. I made it 46 minutes here somehow talking by myself, just rambling on. And we'll be back next week with a, uh, with a little bit more here for you but i try my best to get some info out for you and do this all on my own so hopefully you enjoy it i am streets of don by the way you can find me at streets of don on twitter anybody who listened or watched this obviously go go mosey on over check out the website um bloodlinenetwork.com also go to the bloodline network youtube page subscribe like watch all of the great content and all the great shows on there you got um the tim king show you got top rope wrestling you got clark street wrestling you got the circle of debate uh wrestlebred you got there's just show after show cage my iq there's a lot of stuff there is whole bunch of stuff that you can go see and keep yourself entertained throughout the entire week so go check out all of those shows go follow all of those people go check out all of their content once again that is at the bloodline network um and you can find that at the website too bloodline network.com so yeah that's week two and kind of a week three preview obviously there will be articles coming to you throughout the week i will keep you informed you could follow me on Twitter for updates and for other things and for other moves that I make at this point. But I'd like to thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. I've got something for you.